1: is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each or inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season.
3: That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill.
1: Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! All right, Houdat Nation, welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we are post-Super Bowl. Also, post-Mardi Gras. Hope everybody survived. Oh, man, yeah, it's... it's the day
4: after Fat Tuesday, which is also called Ash Wednesday, I suppose. <laughs> you know, I was talking to somebody uh, about you know this was a really early early Mardi Gras compared to next year when it's in March, and they were telling me how they prefer it later. And I I don't prefer it later. I prefer it the way it was because I kind of wait so you have like Thanksgiving then Christmas, then New Year, and then you kind of have this month in between where it's like, do I be healthy in January or do I just wait it out? until after mardi gras because i can only keep my body without poisoning it for so long so like when it's done in february i get to i get to now and i'm like okay all right okay i can i can figure myself my life out for a second whereas whereas, like if it's in march it's like half the year (laughs) with me being this this way so anyway i prefer it but how was your mardi gras steve did
1: you did you get into it Yeah, definitely had a good time. Uh, Happy it's all over, though, just because of the crowds and traffic nonsense makes everything a little bit easier. But obviously, while it's going on, you have a blast. The kiddo, uh, my 13-year-old, had a great time with his friends. They're busy just doing all their own thing kind of deal. But um, yeah, overall, though, and thankfully, the weather gods cooperated with everything. We had a fantastic time. Yeah. The only real storms happened overnight. So we were able right. to avoid,
4: there was, there was one Sunday that, or one Saturday that I think the parades got washed out, but otherwise we we're good. That's I thing people don't around here that don't, don't live around here might not realize is it's like, by the time you get to fat Tuesday, it's like you, everyone's exhausted. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a marathon just to get to that point. Like that's not necessarily the party day. That's the, I made it <laughs> day. And obviously there's parties too, but you know we're we're going to get into well we 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 are we, we, not going to sit here and talk about mardi gras the whole time right but well, this is a saints podcast we're going to talk about the saints uh, we're going to dive a good bit into clint kubiak right in the second and third segment you know they have it's it's official quote unquote official the saints have not announced it as the, at the time that we are recording this and it's super obnoxious <laughs> be anytime this happens because i guarantee you by the time someone listens to this podcast it will have been announced or at least, at least Clint will have been announced. The question I have is, okay, how many other coaches are going to be announced? Right. We'll talk about that toward the end. I want to push that toward the end of this podcast just in case maybe we can – maybe I'm we'll luck breaking out. Breaking news on the pod. <laughs> yeah, and those, annu- and those <laughs> announcements will come right while we're recording this. But we're recording this around noon on Wednesday. So if you're listening and you're like, well, why aren't they talking about this? If it happened after noon on Wednesday – yeah it's it's tough, but that's that's the life we lead in recording things. So we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about his time with the Vikings. I have some clips of uh, inter- interviews with Clint from back then, you know where there's not a ton to talk about from you know his time with the Broncos in terms of interviews I can go back and watch, right um
1: and also yeah. the 49ers. yeah, you mentioned that that was something during Super Bowl week. I'm like, oh, it's media night. We'll hear from Clint Kubiak. It's like no you idiot. They don't bring the passing game coordinator to the podium. Right. Well, it's like I, it's like Bob Bicknell worked for the Saints for 2 years. Did he talk
4: once? Like maybe, but not publicly and not anywhere that you could find the recording of it. So anyway, we, yeah. there isn't a ton to to kind of dive into in terms of, you know, him talking about the 49ers offense. But there is a ton from the Vikings and I think we may have overlooked that a bit in terms of the importance that his Vikings tenure will have. Sure. While we kind of get excited about the Shanahan of it all, but first things first, I do want to talk about Mardi Gras a little bit more, mostly in the sense of you know I think when you're when you play for a team in New Orleans, it's important to embrace the culture of of New Orleans, and not everyone not everyone does that the same way. Yeah. Not everyone goes out to parades or goes on floats or whatever. But more often than not, particularly new new people to New Orleans, you'll see them, you know, embrace the parades. And, you know, I'll share my screen here for a bit and kind of go into like, you know, there we did see some some Saints players out at parades, right? Like uh, that's, we have, uh, you know, a lot of the Saints players here riding in tucks, right? Nephi Sewell's out there. He probably just had ACL surgery. He's limping around. You got... Peyton Turner's on that float, you know. Peyton Turner's done more at Mardi Gras than he has done for the Saints. Oh, the years. <laughs> yeah, Colin Saunders, uh, Malcolm Roach, Eric McCoy, Demarco Jackson. You know, you, get, you got guys out there. You got guys having a good time. You know, but one of my favorite images of Mardi Gras this year uh, was actually Rashid Shahid uh, because he took one of the he took a nice long ride in one of these uh, cozy reclining chairs. That, I, I don't mean, know what, are they, what do they. they
1: need one of those.
4: I, I've I've always assumed they'd like take like a electric wheelchair and just you know take the chair off it and put a lazy boy recliner on it. For sure, right? But those things move. Like right? those things go quick. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever watched that part of the parade. Those things are zipping by, and I'm sure he had a great old time on uh, on one of those. Uh, the Saints tweeted out a picture of it, videos of it. There's a lot, and the Saints are more than ready. They're always ready to document this. And send it out. You know, I don't have a picture of it, but Jameis Winston was also at parades taking pictures. I know he danced around with Margaret Orr for a little yeah. <laughs> bit. You know, it's just it's just the image of a player, of a person embracing the city that they play football in. You know, they're not from here, right? None of these guys are from New Orleans. Malcolm Roach is the closest in terms of being from Baton Rouge. But, you know, these are just players who are embracing the atmosphere of New Orleans and, and that just brings me to one thing that I am very... I'm probably being overly critical of this, right?
1: No, I hear you. Where's QB1?
4: Where the hell is Derek Carr, right? And so I'll tell you where Derek Carr was. He was speaking at a mega church in Las Vegas on Super Sunday. You know, there's only one Super Sunday at the Super Bowl. It's in New Orleans where this man plays quarterback. But instead he was, you know, as Bacchus was rolling in New Orleans, he's talking at a church in Las Vegas, and I don't know... How long ago this was planned, maybe it's something that he agreed to last year before he signed out with the saints, and he's just there i don't I don't know, but I do know that Mardi Gras goes for a month, you're right, right, and Derek Carr has. Parade-age children. You know, I do. I wasn't here in 2006. I don't know what Drew Brees did over the first couple Mardi Gras in the city. I know his kids were a lot you, – you know, they were younger. You know, we're talking about Balin. You remember the picture of him holding up Balin at the Super Bowl? I mean, how old was he? Three, four? Like, he was a toddler. Had to be right, So, yeah. you know, in 2006, three years earlier, it's not like he had parade-age children. Derek Carr has three children who are the exact age you'd want to bring out to a parade – what, what the hell? Like, go on his Instagram, right? Go. go. He, he's like, you, you. I don't. I don't want to say it's like a photo op thing, but at the same time, when you're the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, it's about more than just playing football in the city. The city needs to feel like you are embracing the city, and one easy layup way to do that is to go hang out at a goddamn parade for an hour, take a picture with your kids, and post it on Instagram so that people can see that you are embracing the city and the culture. I don't even care if you're in Metairie. Heck, go to Slide Slidell. <laughs> like, go to a goddamn parade during Mardi Gras season, and if you did go to a parade and didn't show that to people, I, d- I don't know. I just I don't think he would. You know, and, and there was the whole thing about the parade float and and Derek Carr, the zombie Derek Carr, and he did reply to that, right? right. And he was a good sport about it, which is it's just great. I think that's something he he had to do. <laughs> he had to reply to it, you know. Otherwise, it would have seemed like, oh, he's just mad about it. I don't know. Like that bothers me, just in the sense of like one of the you know, it was a lot easier for Drew because the expectations were a lot lower in two thousand six. They immediately went to the NFC Championship. Three years later, they won a Super Bowl. And I had people saying, well, you know, they never put Drew Brees on one of these satirical floats. And I will tell you, you're wrong. (laughs) You don't play quarterback for the Saints for 15 years and not end up on a joke float at some point or another, right? Like, it's a little more difficult to make fun of Drew Brees because he's the Super Bowl champion. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Whereas Derek Carr in year one struggled, got hurt, constantly and played through it and had these obvious red zone issues that they were making fun of on the float. So it's much more low hanging fruit that you can get to. And I think the float builders nailed it. It was a great looking float, but I I don't know one of the, one of the I've had people say this to me and it's one of the criticisms that I think is very valid as it pertains to Derek Carr. And there's, there's football criticisms you can make and there's football points you can make. But one of the criticisms I've heard that I can't sit there and say, no, you're completely off base, is I don't think Derek Carr understands New Orleans. I don't know if he necessarily has embraced the city in a way that the quarterback of the Saints needs to. You're the closest thing to a politician that you could have on an NFL team. You know, I don't need to see the coordinators or the coaches, but I do need to see the quarterback. I do need to see the guy who you're supposed to go out to these games and cheer for as if he's a part of the city. And right now it feels like Derek Carr plays quarterback in New Orleans. And and that's the that's the end of it. Right?
0: No, like it if totally he left
4: that, yeah. if he left this offseason, what would what would his impact be in this city beyond the Superdome?
1: That he ate Chipotle when he first got here and he doesn't like Mardi Gras.
4: Oh, I don't even know if he cares for. I don't. I don't know if he likes Mardi Gras or not. That's the point. Is I don't even have any indication, one way or another, that he's aware it exists. And to me, that's an issue. And like, just like you know, one of the reasons that everyone loves Jameis is because he's visible. Because he's out there partying. Because he's having a good time. The same way the city is. And I. I, I don't know. I, I would love to hear his explanation for why he wasn't involved in anything this Mardi Gras season, or at least wasn't. D- didn't do so visibly. But I just don't think it's a good look. And that's, that's all I'm going to say on it. I don't need to rant all day about it. But it, I, I do think that that's a valid criticism.
1: You put in the hours the energy the tough labor You are a fighter and Medela is your reward Medela the mark of a fighter Drink responsibly beer imported by Crownland Port Chicago Illinois No, you're right there. The fact that you didn't even see him out at any single parade. We're not saying you got to be riding in the thing, throwing throwing stuff to folks, but to have you and the family out on any parade route, like you were saying, downtown, Metairie, you know, uh, North Shorts, just somewhere to see you out and about amongst the locals. I think that is pretty key. And and like playing better will will be the biggest solve to
4: all of these. Right, absolutely. If he comes out next season and plays great, there will be a lot less criticism thrown at Derek Carr. You won't hear the boos, right? But I do think that it should be something on his radar that he needs to ingratiate himself into this city, into this culture in some way, in some way. And and this would have been just a very easy way to, to kind of make inroads in that process. And I don't think he took advantage of it. And, and, and it's frustrating to see. And plus, like, does kids don't want to go to parades? I don't know. I, 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 it's it's weird. But I can't imagine any kid doesn't want to go to a parade here,
1: right? Or any parade in
4: catch- general. Honestly, Who doesn't want to catch garbage from a float. I love it. Kids love it. Anyway, I, I do want to close out this segment. Uh, going, hearing from Cam Jordan, he talked on the Around the NFL podcast. You you grab that audio for us, and uh, I'm not even going to lead into it. Let's just let's just hear what Cam had to say.
0: Key Loomis said something about after the season this is what what struck me of that like we we need to do some changes maybe with the roster and personnel to improve the culture and that mm. that that comment was like, hmm, improve the culture. Because when they hired Dennis Allen, they were like, we're keeping Dennis Allen because we want to keep this culture going. He's the guy that's been there and been running this defense. So, like, what do you, what do you think Mickey Lewis is, is talking about there, like, with the culture? I've, was never, there, I've learned to forth. not
3: put my GM hat on. I okay. Have, yeah, I've, I've, I've played this game, and it's never worked out well. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is what we're going to do with the draft. This is how we're doing it. This is what our team needs and have been completely wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I was like, "Yeah, we're going to get a defense win." And then in the first round, we got a corner, and I was like, "And then we got back into the first round," and I was like, "Oh, this is the DN time." And then we went offensive tackle, which turned out to be a phenomenal draft. So you learn to shut the hell up and let the uh, up top do what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to want more. If we're we're three years drive of playoffs, and maybe there a a culture shock needs to be happen. I think there's there's a core group of our players that uh, push positivity and whatever it is and in fact i loved our locker room this year but if our locker room isn't winning at a high rate things gonna have to shake and one day they're be like hey cam it's your time bud and i'm like hey i hope the saints keep on winning whatever it Ooh. takes i just want the saints to win
4: yeah and i think he makes some good points there which one you know it is funny because you in the past you had heard him be a little more kind of forward and like Oh yeah, I'd love it. It's DF D, D tackle time, defensive oh, line right. time in the draft. And he, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he heard some uh, feedback on that from uh, up top. I don't know, but it, it it's, it, it's true. Like you, you look at this locker room, and there are a lot of positive forces, positive elements in it. But when you're not winning, hmm. that really draws attention to the cracks that form, and you know it's not it, sometimes it is as simple as winning games and that and that helps your everything kind of feel better right but at the end of the day you look back and you're like well why didn't we win at the rate we needed to win at why didn't we win at, win at a high enough rate and and that's where you you make changes and and like cam says like yeah you probably do need to shake up and we've seen that in the offensive staff right the the lead into that question was like culture continuity whatever That's changed. That's gone. We're not doing that anymore. We're not doing continuity. We've changed the entire offensive staff in one offseason. Right. We talked about that for sure. Right. We changed the entire defensive staff last offseason. The next step is to change the roster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And they haven't really done that yet. So uh, I I do think it's interesting. And, you know, culture shock, it's a kind of a word without meaning to some extent. Like it's basically just, hey, we're going to keep pulling levers to see what works. Um, But no, I, I mean, I think. Cam is kind of also aware of his own mortality there. Like,
1: yeah, one of these days, they're going to be like, hey, bud, <laughs> you want to go for and, a long, long walk? <laughs> and to a little bit, they did kind of do that to him this season where he was used less on third down.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that was driven more by injuries than anything else. I agree. Right. But at the same time, I think you did find something that worked. And if Cam is being honest about, you know, wanting to do whatever it takes to win. Then I think you have to look at that and say, how do we build off this? Even when Cam is healthy, is he a third down pass rusher? And I, I think in, in a lot of instances, the answer might be no. And do you bring Zach Bond back and have him in that spash, spash, pass rush like specialist pass rusher role? Or do you kind of keep banging your head against the wall and saying, okay, if Cam is healthy... He can get after the quarterback like he has always. I think he, at at this point in Cam's career, he's still a useful player. He's but but he's the type of player that in a lot of other instances you'd see him land on a con, more an, a higher level contending team, right? You'd see like he, the Justin Houston ends up going wherever, and he's not a full time player anymore, but he's still a guy where you're like, oh, Justin Houston's there, right? Like, yeah, that's the player. He just because you got that extension on the Saints doesn't mean that you have to be committed to everything staying the same and i do think and i've said this throughout the season i think he's a great run player and i think that's where you should start and i think that should be his focus and you need to figure out how to rush the passer in in creative ways so you know i i, I, I will be interested to see how that situation develops throughout the offseason
1: yeah, that's one thing I can't, can't wait to see what Cam comes back like for this season because I think we heard it from Mickey Loomis when asked about Cam Jordan's performance this year, saying basically he spent the season playing on one leg. And kudos kudos to Cam for, you know, muscling through that injury and being able to perform and be, be available because we're so critical of guys that, oh, he, he's not even available for a game. We know that's not the case with Cam. He plays through so much. Um, but just this year, it, he just didn't look like the same guy. It is funny when
4: I hear people complain about how guys like Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, or Vasky, how they're never available, but then also say, like, but Cam's old. And I was like, well, at least yeah. he's here. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, Cam, yeah, he was playing. He, so the how he explained it when, when we were talking to him at the end of the season is like he sprained his – he had a high ankle sprain – against the Falcons, which was like kind of a shin injury. I think they initially named it a shin injury. And there's some more technical explanation of like the actual ligaments or whatever that he injured. And then the next week he compounded it with a low ankle sprain. Like, so he had a high ankle sprain and a low ankle sprain on the same ankle. And he didn't miss a game. <laughs> so, yeah. You could complain about Cam Jordan right. in whatever way you want. You will never say that man is soft. I think and he also true. had like a, a major, like a significant shoulder injury that he was dealing with. Uh, anyway, yeah, he, he, yeah. Hearing
1: him go through all that even makes you more mad at the whole COVID season when he was forced to sit the game out and yeah, ruin his you know, it, it is funny because I do wonder, you know, in the next season he missed a game
4: uh, with an eye I, injury. Yeah. And I do wonder if... Because he wanted to play, like it was a right, situation. Absolutely, crazy. like no, that's that's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, but I do wonder if he hadn't had that Iron Man streak end in right. 2021, would he have played through it in 2022 at least to some level? Because like he could at least be sued up and be on the field for a couple snaps just to keep that going. But it's not a thing anymore. But this was the first year he played 17 games. Probably previously, he had joked with his dad that he was like, he's like, Oh, I'm just a 16 game player. Because uh, the first two 17-game seasons, he missed one game in each of them. So he had technically played in 16 games in every season of his career. Now
1: it's 17 this past season. So, got it. Kudos to Cam. And, yeah, just waiting to see what 2024 season brings for him. Because I do think – I expect a huge bounce back for him. What His pass rush numbers and sack totals just weren't there this year. And I think that's going to get under his skin like it got under Saints fans. Agreed. And, and I'm interested to see if they add any more pass rush depth in the draft.
4: Um, you know, like I talked about a guy like Adrian Robinson would make a ton of sense. Did I say Adrian? I keep saying Adrian Robinson because he was a tight end from Cincinnati. Uh, but it's Darius Robinson he's the defensive lineman from Missouri. So somebody uh, like that. All but-
1: Robinsons look the same. <laughs>
4: Adrian Robinson I I thought he was going to be real good I think he ended up on the Giants but anyway we will will continue let's wrap up this segment this is Inside Black and Gold if you haven't subscribed yet please do that this is the first episode of season 3 we made it woohoo we we turn over the calendar after the Super Bowl so because the Super Bowl happened we didn't talk about it the Super Bowl did happen the Chiefs won again now we reset and we talk about how the Chiefs can win again next year because if they could win with that roster I don't know what roster they can't win with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Day one of training camp is Taylor Swift there with the Chiefs. Does <laughs> does the Travis Kelsey Swift Taylor Swift relationship make it through the off season? Heck, does right. Travis Kelsey retired? Is I I saw some rumblings that he and he might retire because Jason retired and they have this whole media thing like the Mannings. Yeah, because uh, they already have a podcast, so that would be interesting if if Travis decides to retire. Kind of, you know because like Gronk did the same thing. Gronk, Gronk was in a situation where he's like I want a ton of Super Bowls how much do i need to to prove here and he
1: retired but then came back and won another super Bowl <laughs> i think travis definitely is thinking about that three pete though so I, he I, I i haven't heard any rumblings about him really serious about stepping away but i could be wrong yeah i mean who knows right. but yeah it's
4: this one as as frequently as he has <laughs> with pat it's like what? How much more do I have? What? What? What else do I have to prove? At a certain point, it's like all I can do is get worse than I am right now. Uh, like I said, a guy now like Cam?
1: It, now it's he'll play the three peat
4: Has no one ever three peated? No one's ever three peated magically. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought the Cowboys did, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, I think the Cowboys maybe got to three. I, I don't know. I, maybe. But, Yeah, I guess guess that is something. But like at a certain point, it's like, yeah, no one's ever four-peated either. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be having that same conversation. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, but let's wrap up this segment. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. A lot of you have. I'm still waiting for the rest. You can follow him at Steve Geller, WWL, and make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube at WWL Sports. We're going to come back, talk a whole lot of Clint.